This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks for joining us today. Should be a fun one. I, I really cannot believe that we are nearing the All-Star break. This season has absolutely flown by, and it's been interesting. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Let's bring in my guest for today, and it is a good one. You have read his writing in a smorgasbord of places, and he is currently bringing you the good stuff for Defector. Please welcome the one and only, although I guess there's two of them, yeah, David like Roth. Not even, not even the most prominent <laughs> David Roth, but it's very nice of you to say those nice things. And You're it doesn't, welcome. I would say the second most prominent David Roth passed in the last, like since I've been on, the guy that was mm. the uh, the coin magician. So I guess oh, I've moved up to second behind uh, Diamond Dave. But, you know, obviously RIP to David Roth, the coin magician. He gave a lot more to the the culture than I did. I was not expecting to be talking about that, but that's what I get. I'm happy. My to, intro, you know, I, well, I sent you my counter proposal to the rundown for the show, and it's 30 <laughs> minutes of coin magic. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, that is going to be something. Editors on YouTube, get ready to uh, <laughs> to to really put some some fancy stuff together. Before we get started, I I don't know if you remembered last time we did this. I joked that I had a very serious question to ask you, and we ended up talking about St. Louis pizza for about 10 <laughs> minutes. But this time, I actually do have a serious question for you. And I asked this to Andrew Stoughton before, and I'm going to ask you, is Jurassic Park a horror movie? Oh, that's a good question. I thought this was going to be about Toronto-style pizza, which I don't know anything about. <laughs> I don't think that there is anything. Andrew Wood. Um, I <laughs> it's um, Wood. <laughs> you know, I think it kind of is, right? It's a monster movie, basically. It's just the monsters are, you know, dinosaurs. It, what's the What other genre of movie would it be? I guess... So, I always get, like... I suppose science fiction, sort of. Science fiction, for sure. Thriller, I guess. There's action in the movie, but there's... There's thrilling, there's action, there's comedy in like lots of horror movies. Like mm -hmm. ultimately, if you look at the beats of that movie, I think it's a horror movie yeah, and a really, a really good horror movie, like a really, really good horror movie. Shout out NBC Universal. Um, but <laughs> it is also like there are some I talked about it, this about Andrew, the scene with, for lack of a better term, Newman, because I can't remember his character's name. Yeah. Where that dinosaur does this thing and puts the things out to the side. Yep. I still struggle with that scene and will like put it on mute and like look away to another thing 
Because that's scary as heck. Yeah. And the Which, scene what's where incredible about it too. That's a PG thirteen movie. I mean, that that's is like a PG thirteen. That movie. and I guess uh, I don't, we're not spoiling this for anybody. The movie's been out for like thirty years. <laughs> yes. That and Samuel L. Jackson's disembodied arm are that's basically what I was just like going to say the closest to an actual gore scare yeah. in the movie, right? Sure. Yeah. There's like. It's not a movie that goes away from blood. There's actual gore in the movie. Like nowadays you would not have that in a PG-13 film. You just couldn't get away with it. But I was watching them. I I watched all three of the original ones at about 1.30 in the morning, which tells you what I'm doing with my life. No, I mean, it's the same. These are, I like to think of that as being sort of pandemic habits where at some point I was just you know clearly had entered into some sort of bargain with myself or i was like well it's all meaningless why would you not watch super troopers now it's on you know and then you just follow that where it leads but yeah that, i Late still have jurassic s- park viewing is nothing to feel bad oh, about man it's, it's normal, so good it's natural it's uh, the second one by the way that scene with the tyrannosaurus rex and it's got the dog collar in its mouth is one yeah. of the funniest, scariest, silliest things that Steven Spielberg's good, man. I, I, I know a lot of people like to hate on, on the Spielberg, but the Spielberg does a pretty good job with that type of stuff. There was more of that version of Spielberg. I think that I like, do too. because at Jaws is sort of similar where there's they're super scary, like or at least scary in the sense that like they make you jump. They mm-hmm. don't like, you know, have nightmares about it or whatever, but it is like that tonal balance between like a movie that's got like a bunch of good laughs and like weird characters in it plus it scares you a few times sure it's like the most satisfying experience you can have basically watching a movie during the summer and i like later spielberg stuff pretty well but like war of the worlds for instance and like it that's like scary in a way that's like more like the first 30 minutes of saving private ryan than like anything in jaws like it's not a fun ride everybody's getting their asses kicked it's really like you have no idea what's going on. It's scary. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny They've talking about it. Like he got lucky with Jaws a little bit that the shark actually didn't work. It, it yeah. set up more suspense and stuff like that. But that's just some of that, I think, is just like Steven Spielberg humble bragging about how. Yeah, it's like lore. At this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. It honestly doesn't yeah. matter if it's true. Like everybody's yeah. absorbed the lesson of it so thoroughly. We're like, yeah, you can't show the shark. Everybody knows yeah. that. Yeah. Let me ask you an actual serious question now. I want to talk to you about stick to sports. So yesterday during our podcast, I gave kind of a a plea a little bit to contacting people so that stuff like what happened in Highland Park isn't going to happen anymore. And most people were pretty supportive, but I heard from some other folks that wanted me to reminded me that it was a fantasy baseball podcast. As someone who writes about sports and politics and the interweaving of them, can you kind of explain why sticking to sports is, or not sticking to sports, I guess you should say, is an important thing? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like the the idea of, I mean, to me, that complaint, obviously, I got a lot of like personal baggage with it, just given how it's like impacted my own professional life and all that. Right. But- I think that in general, there's just something really like you're kind of missing the actual thing that's happening. If that is a preoccupation of yours, that there's so much of, I mean, that like politics in terms of like partisan politics, I think it's easy to leave that out of a story, you know, that like you don't need to like sneak a let's go Brandon into your baseball blog or it's opposite. Like, it's just not it doesn't do anything. Well, but 
I do think that like pretending that these games are happening in some space that isn't the actual world or that like the sort of forces that shape our lives and our daily experience of being, you know, in these United States that somehow those stop, uh, you know, at the ballpark. And that like, that's not, especially at this point, if you care about baseball enough to have like followed it closely over the last few years, like it has never felt to me more in step with the rest of the world in terms of like, you can't escape the sense that like the same things that warp our public sphere also make baseball suck that like right. the lockout was a really big moment for me with that. But I mean, even in general, the sort of the, the get, I, you know, like a sort of low key capital strike in the free agent markets over the previous years, you remember like when like a uh, Craig Kimbrell and, and Dallas Keuchel signed in like July. Sure. That like all of that, to me feels very similar to like, I mean, you can look at that and you can look at the sort of the noise that like Howard Schultz has made about um, unionizing Starbucks franchises and basically threatening the people that are doing it. It's they're different, you know, and obviously the people that like a barista at a Starbucks is making, you know, an unconscionably small fraction of what Dallas Keuchel made, even in, you know, that depressed market. Right. But it's the same. If you can't, recognize the the sort of the similarity of those experiences then you're just not paying attention to it or you're thinking about it as like just purely as a tv show mm -hmm. and i think that leaves a lot out like it is a great tv show if like if all you get or, or all you really are like committing to with baseball is you know to watch a few hours of it every night when the weather's nice then like that's fine you can leave it at that sure you're just not gonna i think get like a full or like very like sort of adult grade experience out of the thing in my opinion I, I so what was the tell me a little bit about the the pushback that you got was it just people like they didn't want to be reminded of like they, this bad thing when they wanted to like they wanted to hear like starts and sit and sits or whatever yeah absolutely that's exactly what it was and you know i i'll say this i understand being creatures of comfort and i understand yeah that you sometimes, you know, it's like the, uh, the, I'll go to another great NBC Universal property, The Office, where Michael Scott tells the story about just because one person is playing the game with the kids doesn't mean that he's not concerned that the boat is going to sink or something along those lines. That's, I get that. We have to be, you don't get a beautiful body like this without being a creature of comfort. I totally <laughs> understand how important comfort can be. But I also think that there is... I, I kind of talked to Colin about this in the podcast is there is an ability to get numb to this mm -hmm. that I think is really important. Why we have to talk about this stuff. So we don't get numb to it. Yeah. Like we can't look at situations that happened in Highland park and Uvalde and get numb to that type of stuff. And the more that we have, and you know what? I'll also say this. I have a limited platform to talk to people about talking to congressmen about what we can do right. to change this stuff. I'm going to use that platform if I can use it. And if I don't, I will have a guilty conscience in my mind. But it's mostly about the fact that I just don't want us to get numb to this conversation to where we don't bring it up because it becomes old hat. And I think sports or, poly or any movies or anything like that, any type of conversation you're having, even around pop culture, you have to talk about these things, even if they make you uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I think the ignoring it, that's a part of it. I think I agree with what you said. I think you said it well. I also feel like for me, I think the experience of the last, I mean, it's not even just like, you can't say like it started 
you know, with a presidential election or, you know, any of that, that like, there's this feeling of, it's a deranging sort of thing yes. to ignore all of this stuff just because of the fact that it's like, it's happening. Everybody knows about it. Um, but what are you going to do or whatever? Like, I mean, that's like, you have to get through your day. You can't be mm -hmm. outraged by everything you see. Like, I understand all of that. And yet I think the, the stuff that we tune out, uh, like not even just for that basic, like sort of coping reason, but out of sort of politeness or out of the, that piles up, like none of that goes away, you know, that no. like, and you can't spend your whole baseball podcast talking about, you know, Uvalde, Texas, you know, like, yeah. but having that in your head and not talking about it or acting as if it doesn't exist or whatever, like that, that there's an, an irritating element to that. Cause you're aware sure. of it, even mm -hmm. as you're sort of moving around it. Like, I don't think there, maybe there are people where it authentically is like not on their mind and, right. you know, and so when they're listening to their fantasy baseball podcast and they hear it, they're like, Oh wow. Well, I did you know, I wanted to hear about like Franchi Cordero. Why are you bothering <laughs> me with this stuff? I just don't know anybody that like is fully thinking only about Franchi Cordero all the time now. Like there's no. just too much other stuff. There's too much. And it's, I think it's something that is healing for me and hopefully healing for the listener too. You know what yeah. I mean? Because if you just talk about, if you, if you leave it bottled up, there's a reason why therapists make a lot of money because right. it is something that can bother you for a long time. And so like being able to let it out, it, it, it's, it's a coping mechanism, I guess, but it is something that I think is important. Uh, I'm going to transition from that into yeah. the, a uh, really. Are we uh, literally going to just talk about Franchi Cordero now? Because that would be. Yeah, bad. we're going to talk about. He's actually coming on the show right now. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, we love him. We <laughs> yeah, love Franchi. We love Franchi. Uh, I want to talk to you about because I haven't had a chance to talk about this on the podcast. The Padre City Connect uniforms. They're great. Are they I the best or are they the yesterday, greatest? Nice. And I can't get enough of it. So I'm oh happy that we're gosh. doing it. Dude, I think that these are maybe the greatest uniforms of all time. Yeah. I think that they are Doubly so perfect. Because the City Connect uniforms 99% of the time are trash. Kimmy. They have been really bad. Like the ones that I have enjoyed so far are the Miami ones it's uh, looking back on the Miami ones too. Like I get the, I appreciate the tribute to Cuba, but I f it feels like a missed opportunity to go bigger with that mm. stuff. Um, it's Miami. Like what else? Yeah, do you do? It's not exactly. like the baseball's consequential. Like go <laughs> yeah, off, yeah, put the absolutely. home run machine on it. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my gosh. dude. RIP been, obviously to that yeah, to what a, device. What a, what a great hat that would be, by the way, to have yeah. a, a nice little, uh, that figurine or souvenir or whatever you want to call it on there. I like the Diamondbacks one just because I love those colors as mm. a Notre Dame sufferer. I have always had <laughs> navy and blue as something that I have enjoyed. And I really liked the Washington, the ones invoking the, the cherry tree, the cherry blossoms. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they went big enough. And what I like about these San Diego uniforms is whether you like them, whether you hate them, or somehow are the one person, it's like the one person who hadn't decided in the uh, 2020 election that the actual, I'm not sure which right. way. Yeah, I'm like I need to know way. more. Yeah, I need to know more about these candidates. Um, whether you, any of those spots, the one thing you cannot deny 
is that they didn't go big enough. They went hard as hell. Yep. You can't go bigger than this. A point that, so I, it was the batting around podcast I was on yesterday. Love their work. Mm-hmm. Lauren, one of the co-hosts made the point that this is, it makes more sense visually if you think about it as a Tijuana jersey and not as a San Diego jersey. <laughs> For sure. But that's also great. Like that's yeah. what you want. Like the, anything that sort of, enfolds the because that you know san diego like the most interesting parts of san diego are tijuana <laughs> like it is yeah. that, that culturally like anything that actually ropes that in as opposed to just like taking the colors of the state flag and just being like all right done like and running it out there like good for them yeah Padres are yeah, a weird I, organization man they i keep thinking that they've figured some stuff out and they they really kind of haven't like there's still a lot of stuff there that doesn't work <sighs> at all but no uh, if the uniform is any indication, like there, uh, things are looking up for them. It's such. An, I really hope that we get the juxtaposition of spicy brown and those uniforms, like yeah. on back to base, just to like give you a full appreciation of the color spectrum. I think also, yeah, the taco are... colorway is really <laughs> yeah. much missed. <laughs> yeah the the um the other thing I think about those uniforms the Ortega is... seasoning packet on some ground beef. <laughs> That's the whole. That's the, that's the look for the whole franchise. Right there. I do think we appreciate these uniforms a little bit because of our age too. Like yeah. that, uh, they invoke the 1990s. Like I'm sure you can remember that. And this, uh, the color only involves it a little bit. Remember how big the Charlotte Hornet uniforms were yeah. when they first yes. got. Like they were the biggest thing in the Same entire for the world. San Jose Sharks. That like it sure. was just. Teal ran like the during like the first Bill Clinton term, like America was effectively a, like teal was the one point of national consensus that existed. Everybody, a hundred percent, and that's why those uniforms for those watching on on the podcast that those uniforms were so popular when they first came out. Those teal Griffey, I mean, everybody wanted that thing, and everybody yeah. wanted that hat. Um, but it just like. They make me want to go to Bayside High so much. Yep. And for me to like <laughs> just declare my love for Kelly Kapowski and let yeah. her know that everything is going to be okay. More, I mean, more City Connect jersey should aspire to be the Peach Pit jersey. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> go for that look. Or not I'll the Peach Pit, the Max. It was the Max <laughs> Bayside, yes. I'll put you on the spot before we move on. What team's City Connect uniforms are you most looking forward to next? I mean, the ones that this was actually another thing that we talked about on the podcast. Nice. Yesterday, so I should have a better answer for it. I, I'm curious, like how, like which team will get weird? That like yes. the, like the because a lot of teams do use the state flag colors, and those are generally kind of dull. Yeah, but I think that there's uh, you know, and I think there's also like a tendency to you know whatever chase trends and stuff like that. Like I'm not expecting great things from the Mets. Because, like, weirdly, like, New York as a, like, aesthetically, sports-wise, this is a pretty low ebb. Like, like the Brooklyn Nets. And it's just, like, yes. it's all kind of dull. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a team that had, like, kind of a glorious, uh, like, disco-era uniform that, like, I think the Phillies could do something really cool embracing, like, the powder blue and burgundy sort of. I guess they do sometimes wear those as a throwback. But I think of that sure. as being, like, part of, especially, you know, for any of these teams where the best years are some decades in the past, you know, like obviously respect to the Phillies for 2008, but like people would rather think about Mike Schmidt sure. probably like yeah. if the, or if the Orioles got um like real orange, but they're just going to do something with the Maryland flag. I'm assuming. I don't know. Oh, what gosh. is your answer on this? Like, I don't almost um, don't know what to expect. Cause I wouldn't have guessed the Padres would have the best one either. 
you know, but they really hit that one out of the park. So yeah, I well, baseball I th- in there. I think Toronto's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I would imagine that they're going to like. I I can see just like a big like. Do you remember that Magic Johnson shirt from like the the '90s where it was just his picture and it was a bunch of like the McDonald Cup style basically around him yes. and stuff like that. I imagine that they'll do something where it's just Drake uh, on the uniform and <laughs> just to have some like music notes or something like kind of airbrushed looking. Like it's like maybe you got it at the state fair, yeah. but like also maybe everyone on the team is wearing it. I am morbidly. I'm glad curious. you said Drake. I was when you were yeah. doing that. I was like, is this going to be like a Kelly Gruber joke? Gonna land this? <laughs> um, joke, by the way. Yeah, I don't the, joke uh, about things like that. No. <laughs> The I'm morbidly curious to see how bad the Yankees ones are going to be. Yeah, because they I imagine they hate doing it. They don't want to participate I, in that. I at imagine all. what my guess is, is they'll be uh, navy blue and white instead of white and navy blue. Like yep. you'll have just something <laughs> along those lines where they just because there's just no way in heck that they're going to have fun. There's wow. no way. Seattle will be interesting because Seattle is so much better at PR than being a baseball team yeah. outside of that Kevin Mather thing. You know, we won't talk right. about that. <laughs> but <laughs> not universally but, good at PR, but every now and then yeah, they get it right. Every now and then they get it right. But yeah, I'll be really curious to see what Seattle does because I imagine they host the All-Star game next year. And I imagine that they'll do something kind of flashy for that. That's my guess is that they'll come out with those uniforms uh, right around then. By the way, real quick, the Angels ones. Do you like the Angels ones? I don't know if I've seen the Angels ones. Let me look. Okay. So I know this, I know this is amateur night to be booping around on here, but I'm, no. I'm doing it anyway because I'm curious. That's okay. Um, that's what uh, that's what podcasts are for is for yeah. the ability for our uh, host to take a look at them. I like them. I think oh, those are kind cool. Of a, like, yes, yeah. I have seen these. I think yeah. those are nice. Yeah, I think it's a nice combination of classic and um, bringing it forward as well. Yeah, like, and it's also I one think of those that, ones that kind of looks like it could. I mean, the Angels as a franchise didn't exist, you know, at a time when they would have had like, you know, like they're not honoring like the uniforms they wore during the 1946 season because that didn't <laughs> happen for them. Right. But it is. Yeah. it looks like if that had existed, that's kind of like how it looks. I think that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Angels take on the Orioles in Baltimore on Sunday, July 10th at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. We actually had somebody win that 25000 not too long ago, and it is extremely difficult to do, but we've proven that it is not impossible. Uh, David, give it a shot, and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll let you I know. We I can... already have that earmarked uh, for what I'm going to use those $25,000 for. <laughs> you can't see it because the camera doesn't have it. There's a crack in the paint on the ceiling oh, right no. me. I don't know if it would cost $25,000 to fix, but I would like to get it fixed because it makes me a little nervous. This did is you where watch, I go on my podcasts. So, Did you watch King of the Hill? Uh, not enough to probably get all the references. But okay. Yes. There, is a, there is a very long King of the Hill uh, thing about uh, mold and what a scam that the mm-hmm. mold people are. Just be careful. Don't don't let to, don't because that's, they get you. that's yeah. how they get you is that you have a paint crack and then they just mold <laughs> and then you're out of your house for like yep. a month and a my half. parents had that recently with uh asbestos in the basement oh 
which oh, is no. the sort of thing that it's great to learn about when you're in your early middle age and you spent <laughs> your entire middle school and high school years like playing video games and watching TV and oh, down there. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh you know, it's uh it's also how the Baltimore Orioles uh, came to exist is through asbestos basically from, <laughs> from Peter Angelos. I saw those commercials all of the time and I yep. was always wondering why they were advertised to me because uh it's not a I, I guess it could be anywhere but i always felt like this is something for someone else but yeah. uh, good, good for uh no not good for him <laughs> let's talk about uh, let's talk about a team you just brought up because it is a team that is uh near and dear to your heart the mets baby we love the mets love and they have been quite good this year it's a little scary yeah, at exactly the moment that I am talking to people about how they're actually good. So this is trying <laughs> my faith a little bit. Yeah, uh, but exactly the halfway point, 50 and 31, a 59 plus run differential, which suggests that it has not just been good fortune. Um, uh, the concern here is that the Atlanta Braves are a very good baseball team. Miami Marlins are kind of coming out of up a little bit. They've won six straight. This was looking like kind of a runaway for the division, but like, I'll just ask you this as a person who is rooted for the team. Are you optimistic or are you dreading what's coming? So as someone who is rooted for the team for a long time, optimistic is not like necessarily in my vocabulary where they're concerned, <laughs> but I will say that like this feels different. You know, I yes. think if we had had this conversation last year around this time, the Mets would have had not quite as good a record, but they would have had a bigger lead in the division mm -hmm. and they would have had a very good record. And I, at no point last year did I think they were actually that good. Right. It didn't mean that I thought that they would fall apart the way that they did. Um, but I remember talking to a friend about it at the time, you know, around the, the period where I was getting ready to go you know, on vacation and I was going to not be seeing their games. And I was like, if this is when they fall apart, this is when they fall apart. It's been fun for me. I know they're not there yet, you know, and that's that. Mm -hmm. And like, I think I was kind of whistling past the graveyard with that one. Like, it sucked. Like I hated it when they fell apart the way that they did. And sure. they had a very, you know, they, the stuff that they haven't done yet this year, which is make the moves that they need to make to patch the holes that they, like every other non Dodgers, non Yankees organization have like, they haven't done that yet. I feel better about their capacity to make those moves because they had an actual proper off season and they got more or less everything right. It feels right. like during it, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, last year, this is something I was talking to people in the, the Mets DM that I'm in, which is like, really, like the Mets DM is holding it together pretty well. So that lets you know <laughs> that, like, <laughs> a place where people basically get together to just like share Bud Dwyer jokes every time the bullpen is used <laughs> it's like, in this case, mostly keeping it together. The last year they traded for Javi Baez. It was an attempt to sort of replicate the Cespedes deal from 2015 right. and it actually worked. He had, mm -hmm. he was roughly as good as Cespedes was in 2015 and they just got worse. Yeah. They got worse and worse and worse. It didn't matter because they didn't really do anything else. And I think this year there there's fewer holes. They really are going to finally like, you know, obviously you should be knocking on wood continuously while we're doing this. Scherzer looked like himself last night. It seemed like he had a normal rehab and has had a normal recovery, which for the Mets is extremely unusual. <laughs> that like yeah. there's always an element of they're rushing it or they're grousing that the guy is taking too long. And that's all 
previous administration, that was just how they handled everything. There's been less of that. And DeGrom, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. But if he and Scherzer are on top of that rotation in September, then they're a team that could win the World Series. Like more or less, if they don't change anything else, that's true. If both of those guys are pitching, you know, every time their turn comes up. What I'm interested in seeing with them now, and I think just this is the part where, you know, it's like kind of a, a beat thing for me to talk about how like, you know, pessimistic and sad and upset I am all the time with them. It's not dishonest. I'm just aware that I've done it a lot. Sure. Uh, but it's not, it's not a lie. It's just in this case to see they're still sort of moving towards becoming a real baseball team, mm -hmm. but they're clearly not all the way there yet. You know, that like they have an owner who has money and is willing to spend it. That's a, mm -hmm. a break with the last, you know, 10 years of the will ponds at the very least, yeah. but there's still a lot of, encrusted dysfunction there and a lot of just kind of like backwards thinking. And, and so they're kind of in this situation now where they like, they bought all the stuff that the Wilpons wouldn't buy, you know, like they right. can evaluate their own minor league teams because they have, you know, track man stuff. They got the fancy cameras and all that. They just don't have anyone that knows how to use those cameras. <laughs> sure. They haven't like gotten to the part where they're hiring those guys. And Billy Epler, I, when they hired him, you know, it's not, an inspiring thing, especially because every body that could have been hired made clear that they didn't want the job. Right. I think the reason they had a hard time hiring him was there was this sense that he wouldn't be able to do that. Basically he was there as a fig leaf for Sandy Alderson, who's still in charge of the organization. Yes. Sandy Alderson, you know, has had a great career in the game is also not uh, the most contemporary thinker in the sport and is, no. you know, and is a company man, I mean, was right. a real fun guy and, in this case, though, I feel like if you look at the moves they made in the offseason, just in terms of it, it's nice that they got them right. You know, that like Chris Bassett has been really good. The guys they traded haven't been as good. That Starling Marte has been absolutely everything that you would want him to be. Mm -hmm. Like all of that stuff is great. The thing that I was most pleased with is that they didn't just stop the way that the Mets used to in the offseason. They used to be that sure. they would make one free agent signing usually mm -hmm. decently splashy they jump the market so they sign a guy at the winter meetings then they sign a relief pitcher six weeks later and then nothing happens until it's spring training right and in this case they kept making moves and i hope yep. that in this case that they'll keep making moves you know i mean the stuff that made them cespedes made them a world series team in 2015 as much mm -hmm. as the young pitching did sure but there was also you know when it was time to sort of like patch down the stretch that they got Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson and Tyler Clippard and like guys that are, you know, if you cheered for that team, you remember them very fondly, even though in almost all of those cases, they were Mets for a matter of months and, and never again. Right. And like, so I'm interested in seeing like, I mean, obviously they don't make more than one Juan Uribe a generation, uh, which is a shame. <laughs> we're lucky to have the one that we get, yes. but it would be, I'm curious to like see where they add and, and how ambitiously they add. Cause I don't think you they need, like Xander Bogarts or Chris Bryant. Like I wouldn't turn it down, but if they sure. just like identify a weak spot and shore it up, uh, or if they call up Francisco Alvarez, if he's ready, then like, then they're a really, really good team. I think you brought up in what your perspective is on this. I know you don't watch them all the time, but you do watch a lot of baseball. Yeah. I'm so deep in my own neurosis with this team that I <laughs> feel like, like I, I'm just unpacking psychic baggage yeah. as I talk about it. I don't know to no. what extent. This is correct. Did any of that sound 
uh, reasonable to you? Yes, a hundred percent. Especially right. the the talk about keeping going after Scherzer and after Marte, and maybe a couple of those moves might have happened before. Who the heck knows yeah. what, how time works anymore? Anyway, but like adding Marcana and adding Eduardo Escobar, and you know the the Escobar's been good. Escobar has been kind of so so, but yeah. like. Those are good depth moves. Those are the type of moves that a real contender makes, knowing that if they don't work out, you can go and make moves in the at, near the deadline to go get these guys. And even if you're not trading Francisco Alvarez and you're not trading trading Brett Beatty, which I imagine they're not, and okay. even Ronnie Mauricio, you know that's that's a tough give up as well. And Alex Ramirez, but these names I'm talking about, they have a deep farm system. They yeah. can go out and address the needs that they want. I'm glad you brought up Francisco Alvarez because this guy just got promoted covered on the local news here, man. I saw like his really? highlights from triple a on like just that's, the night news on like channel five last so night, great. which was crazy. I saw he went one for three with a walk because mm-hmm. that's my job is to know that he went one. For <laughs> I don't know what my excuse is. Why I was watching basic network news at the end of the evening. Like I'm 85 years old. I don't know, but. You just uh, you you had watched everything you could watch on Peacock, and you needed to yeah. watch something else for just a second. Like, I wanted <laughs> to know, like, did anything in New York City catch on fire? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, we actually watch a bunch of Peacock shows, like No Foolin'. We have a nice. couple that we really like. Oh yeah, me too. I, I, I even I like know, the baseball uh, broadcasts. Like, I think they've been I, reliably so really good. good. I'm a big uh, Benetti guy, so he's so good, and I love the idea of bringing in. Um, a couple of people that are attached to the team to work with him just because it gives you, it's such a great idea. I also really liked the broadcast with no broadcasters that they Mm -hmm. did last week. I thought that was a lot of fun. My buddy, Ahmed Farid did a fantastic job. Um, I imagine he's just tired as all heck from walking around that stadium (laughs) as much as he did. But Francisco Alvarez has been brought up to AAA. He went one for three in his debut, uh, drove in a run, yada, yada, yada. Are you... David Roth calling up Francisco Alvarez to help the New York Mets before the end of July, knowing that this is such a golden opportunity to win a ship. Probably not before the end of July. Okay. But, you know, at the same time, like, here's the, this is the, the short answer to it is that like, I, I would like to, for him to get comfortable at AAA and to sure. show what he can do. Although right. obviously it's at this point, it's, he was so good in double A that it's really, really probably was. academic. Like it's not like yeah. he's going to get there and like for the first time in his life, see a breaking pitch, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it was not the Sally league. Like he, he can really do it. The issue I think for them, and I don't see this resolving in any way other than through calling up Alvarez just internally is that, McCann, James McCann, who was like the last of the Wilpon signings uh, yeah. and a classic Alderson move, jumped the market for him. Like instead of being in on JT Real Muto at all, they signed McCann the first day they could sign anybody. Right. He seems like a stand up dude. And I'm sure, you know, I apparently said all the right things. He was, he was rehabbing. He was, you know, briefly teammates with Alvarez and, you know, was very supportive and all that. He's been so much worse than I think I expected him to be <laughs> yeah. that like, I didn't expect him to be good. I thought that they would get a year or two of him being like around a league average regular, which he had been more or less before they signed him. Not for a long time, but like for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And he's been, you know, really a zero. Yeah. Tomas Nito is a classic good backup catcher, but is not Thanks. a guy that's going to really deliver much in the way of offense. And like the 
the lineup as it is most days is pretty good. You mm-hmm. know that there it wasn't really very long ago that you know the whole bottom third of the lineup was just outs. Sure, but catcher spot has been a zero. DH has been not what you want, uh, mm-hmm. and I feel bad about this. I mean, I really I've always enjoyed watching Dom Smith. I oh, I don't think it's Dom happening Smith. for him. No. And so, like, but those are positions where, like, you know, catcher, maybe that's a problem you can solve with a call-up if, you know, the team is is willing to take that step. I hope, you know, eventually, I would hope they will. Like, I would hope that by the end of the season, that unless something really bad happens at AAA, I would hope that Alvarez would be the catcher. Uh, and for DH, it's like, that can't be that hard to improve. I mean, just like a marginal improvement there would help no. a lot. And there's a lot of guys that are sort of, you know, hitters without any other sort of portfolio. Like if this is, you know, I I know he hasn't been himself this year, but like what would it take to get Nelson Cruz's contract? The first name that I thought of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, There's somebody or like Josh Bell would be somebody I think who makes a lot of sense in that position because he really probably should be a DH at this point. Like, but there are guys that you can go and get and those guys won't cost you the prospects that we were just talking about. Like right. those are guys are the, the Jose Budos or the Dominic Camels who are, you know, nice prospects, but the type of guys that you're not going to lose sleep over, or you should in any way, if you're right. truly going for a world championship, by the way, I am shocked that James McCann is only in his second season with the Mets. He's got two it more. Seems like he's been there since 2008. I think it's just because I follow so many of you stupid Mets fans <laughs> that I and I hear it so much from Green Man and Richard Staff and people like that, that I just feel like he's been there forever. And that yeah. signing, by the way, that was bad process. He's had one year, maybe two years of really being a quality offensive first catcher like there that that signing was just like yeah. it wasn't quite as bad as the wilson ramos signing which also obviously didn't but that work one out was, so well. it was one year you know that one made a lot of sense too ramos was two years yeah i think it was two years but anyway that one made more sense than the mccann signing did yep. i will say this if alvarez has a good week and a half in triple a i'm calling him up hmm. he's too good there is too much of an opportunity here at a position that's a position of need and his ability to make hard contact and hit for power is a pretty solid approach at the plate. There's some swing and miss there. There's some swing and miss from everybody. Yeah, it's I mean, baseball like in 2001 years old. You know, yeah, like- And that's the thing too. If it doesn't work out, Oh, flipping well, yeah. send him down to triple a and you know what? You gave it a shot. Everything I've heard from folks is that Francisco Alvarez is not going to be lacking from confidence yeah. if he doesn't have a good week and a half in baseball. He's there's also going a tendency to... with the Mets as an organization, there's prospects that they talk up because they want to trade them or because sure. they are weird organizational favorites that there's guys, you know, like the, um, for the last draft, for instance, and we're going to talk about the draft in a, in a minute, but I mean, nice. not signing Kumar Rocker, uh, is embarrassing. It's they, really they really screwed it up. But yeah. the the real issue with that draft was that they didn't have another plan there. It wasn't the sort of thing no. where they drafted Rocker and they were like, if he's not going to take the figure that we're giving, then at least we can go over slot on these second and third and fourth rounders, and it'll all come out in the wash. Yeah, they didn't do that. 
And so what they've done instead, and this is the sort of the Mets move. And I think the guy that they got in the second round, I think is the second round, the Canadian dude, Calvin Ziegler. Yep. Like actually has been pretty good, mm-hmm. but that's been a guy that they've been hammering away at. Uh, Mark Vientos is another guy they like to talk about. And it's really hard to sort of like know if they actually think that the guy is good or if they're like just somebody in the front office feels like it is important that it appear in the New York <laughs> Daily News that Mark Vientos <laughs> has improved yeah. his pitch recognition or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and look, there's some of this too that could be the fact that Mark Vientos is the guy who makes the most sense, I think, as a trade candidate, because I just don't know where he's playing for the New York Mets. Right. Well, I mean, if he's not, not the prospect is Beatty, he's not. No, he doesn't really have a defensive home. And well, and yeah. that's the thing, too, is that if they're really that high on him, why is he not getting a chance to be their designated hitter right now? Because he's not a long term third baseman. First base is taken up by that um, Alonzo Peter, something like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, why not give him a shot? And um, by the way, uh, don't ever segue on my show ever again. I'm not like, trying to do it right away. I just that, wanted to let people know that I wasn't going to be running down the bottom half of the Mets top 20 for the rest of the podcast. I'm trying to help. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. And speaking of the MLB draft, last year, last year, <laughs> last year, David and I did a draft of our favorite names from that draft. And I have to be honest with you, David, mm-hmm. this year's class is pretty disappointing, especially compared to last year where we had some really, really good ones. But we're going to draft our favorite names. These have nothing to do with the ability of the player. Yeah. It has everything to do with how funny or interesting we think the player's name is. Mr. Roth, I will give you the first pick. So I think that, yeah, that's the part I wanted to sort of clarify with this is that like, I'm not anywhere near having an opinion on anybody in this draft. Like I can't, eventually I will read like three stories about it at baseball prospectus and form opinions. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, So reading through it, it made me wonder if like name ways began to change at some point and that like maybe 
maybe we're left behind, Chris. Maybe we're men out of time. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like, we are. <laughs> there's not going to be another sky bolt for oh, a while. I hope not. But uh, so for me, uh, my number one, and this is just, this is everything that I look for in a draft name, mostly because of the fact that it's, it's silly and I can't imagine what this person would do if they weren't a pitcher. Uh, do you have a guess as to who it is? Is it Nazir Mule? No, I like that name very much. Uh, okay. He's from New Jersey too. So I've, out of respect, I've excluded him. Uh, okay. It's Jaden Newt. Okay. Yeah. Last that was name, on my N-O-O-T. list. N-O-O-T. That is a new one on me. Name. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, out of uh, Sierra Canyon High School. Um, a real yeah, powerhouse that, for that, baseball, um, probably. And for by the way, well. six foot three, two thirty-five already as a person who doesn't turn nineteen next year. Jaden Newt is a very fun name, and by the way, name backwards is Toon Nedaj, which is uh, something that no one needed to know. But I'm just no, I like it. To, it sounded yeah. like it was a brief <laughs> as a fan of uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. It had a real man from another place. Energy <laughs> yes. went said backwards that way. I like yeah. That. I am going to take Cutter Coffee with my Great first name. Pick. That was and probably my it, next pick as well. Honestly, I don't drink coffee, but I guarantee that there is a Cutter Coffee. There has to be a company called Cutter Coffee or Cutter's Coffee or yeah. something along those lines. So I really hope, since he doesn't look like he's going to have an NIL deal, I really hope Cutter Coffee gets the bag from somebody because that's a terrific name. It is. It's Cutter is one of those names where I feel like we're still seeing the upswing on that, you know, and I don't sure. know to what extent people are still being named that. I know that like weirdly that was an area where Lenny Dykstra was in the Vanguard. I believe <laughs> he has a, a that's Cutter. always a good Vanguard to be in. Yeah, not. Yeah, kind of. A tough <laughs> uh, do not read his his posts. You don't want. No, thank you. That. Uh, no, but. You don't. Yeah, the like there's a cutter Crawford in the Sox bullpen who I believe is a is a K cutter. It is proud of my son. Uh, all yep. of my all of my Crawford sons, I'm very proud of JP Brandon and Cutter. They're all very very good yep. boys. Um, but <laughs> the the, uh, the the vile Cutter Crawford, but the, yeah. he does seem uh, like I don't know that we're going to be seeing that many more of those. Like I feel like I'm hoping. Because there's for a while there was like cutters and gunners all over the yes, place. And I was like, yeah. everybody needs to calm down. <laughs> Your kid doesn't need to. It's not important that they like have some sort of like implied violence in their name. Like you can just give them a, a nice, a normal name. Like my second pick, uh, who's Ike Irish of Orchard Lake oh. St. Mary's in Michigan. That's uh, a good one. A little bit lower on the, the list here, but it's one of those names that has a, kind of a throwbacky dick tracy type feel to it 100 percent. yeah that guy is a gum ike irish and packy naughton have definitely yes. solved a crime together at some <laughs> point in their life there's buddy no boshers there's yes. a lot, there's a, it's a whole type of name there like somebody that sounds like a like a detective who sleeps in his office i will i'll say this as well there are a few names in this class that i'm trying to think of the pg way to say this the dog name and street name thing would yes. go together for a few of these names in mm-hmm. this class. I will say that there are quite a few of them that have <laughs> that feel to it. Um, I was going to take Nazir Mule with my should. It's a great pick. name. Uh, I'm going to skip him and I'm going to go with Eli Jersenbeck. And <laughs> I just have to ask you, what is, what does, in your opinion, Eli Jersenbeck, what is his career if he's not a baseball player? I mean, it sounds like one of those things where like, like, have you ever been to like a state fair 
oh, sort yeah. of scenario where there's a guy that just throws axes, like, <laughs> like carves things with a chainsaw. Yeah, that has like a Jersey, like an Eli Jerzenbeck would be like a younger man in suspenders, uh, who does like things in like with <laughs> bladed implements in a state fair capacity to me. Oh, that's is that really wrong? Good. I feel like no. That's, Oh, good. All right. I'll take it. It feels all right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, in Providence, North Carolina, there's a decent chance he's been to a uh, a state fair or two. Uh, I'll leave you with the uh, final figures. Parents are always just like, well, you know, if this doesn't work out, there's always access. (laughs) Uh, So, another name that is similar to that, which I had flagged in here, a, a name that, like, is, it's a completely wild name for a person to have but it's also like sort of mostly because of the fact it's not like you know things i haven't seen before i've met an orion i've never met anyone with the last name kirkering but orion kirkering together has a real like i don't like a sort of a soft sci-fi energy to it that i enjoy absolutely it does like that is Absolutely. an Orion Kirkering is the type of guy who has been in college for like seven years and just can't pick a major. That is <laughs> that is absolutely what's going on yeah. with the Orion Kirkering. The guy where somehow every photo of him, he's on a pool floaty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the guy at your reunion. What's Orion Kirkering up to? Dude, nobody can find him. It's actually, I heard he was a lawyer, but then another guy told me that... <laughs> Uh, speaking of lawyers, I just found out the other day while talking to our mutual friend, Eric Nussbaum, that the guy who plays Spider in School of Rock is now an attorney. And really? that that just... Oh, wait, no, he's a me. bad attorney. He's a I, he's a state's attorney or something like yeah, that in Texas. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I found out. And I was like, that's just the most bizarre thing in the entire world. Yeah, School of Rock, I said there was the a video of him that I remember seeing and it was like, it, you know, one of those videos that sort of circulates online where sure. it's like, check out this idiot. And he's like, as a man of faith, I believe books should be illegal. <laughs> oh, and then God. like someone in the replies was like, yo, that's spider. From School of Rock. <laughs> that <laughs> Which is, is really jarring. Like not it's what you want necessarily. Very jarring. By the way, that movie still holds up. Yes. Very, very well. Um, I feel like right. everybody has reappraised the broader Mike White oeuvre and come to appreciate it more school of rock is a mike white movie like it's yes. and it's like the nicest of the mike white movies by a damn sight but it is very yes. much it's funny in the same ways and yet also like it's proof that he can be a nice boy uh if uh, somebody else is directing his stuff absolutely um one of the names i was strongly considering for this last pick is gavin van kempen who Incredible. earned absolutely earned his inheritance by being nice to grandfather. There is no doubt that Gavin Van Kempen <laughs> has a trust fund that is going to really pay off. He has won a kiss point. from daddy. Yes. I am going to go with my final pick and it's just a personal thing. I'm going to go with Eric Snow because he was the backup point guard to Gary yeah. Payton while I was, uh, while that team still existed. Thanks a lot, everybody. Um, but Eric Pookie Snow was the backup point guard for, uh, that team, but I, I just he have had a to great career for a guy that I never saw make a shot from even 15 feet away from the basket. I don't know if there would be a worse player for today's NBA. Absolutely not. Snow. Spacing like, killer. He, him and uh, what if you, you had Russell Westbrook shooting range, but not <laughs> Russell Westbrook's athleticism? Him and uh, 
there was this point guard for North Carolina. Do you remember Ed Cota by any Very chance? well. Yes. He yeah. was one of my favorite types of college basketball guards in the sense that he was completely square. He like, he looked like it, all the guys from Pitt were like that too. Oh, so when I think of square guys, the first person I think of is Khalid Alameen. Yes. Who is a legend. Somebody, yes. Unfortunately he had a, him and Rip Hamilton destroyed my Huskies in yeah. a, uh, a basketball game that I don't like to talk about. We but but <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno and we don't talk about <laughs> Khalid. Khalid had a surprisingly good NBA career for a guy that I think of as being the exact same size and shape as Fife Dog from Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> and also, he this was something that I remember being really into, like an early internet thing where someone was like you know he's got a fish restaurant in minneapolis and i was like well i can use this new web browser to look that up and it was there there was he had like a place that just did like fried walleye in minneapolis actually looked really good it was like one of those restaurants that has like three things and it's like you can get fish you can get french fries and you can get fish with a side of french fries and that's the whole (laughs) deal (laughs) like it looks solid i believe that it closed probably i don't even want to know how many years ago now but uh Respect to Khalid Alamein, restaurateur and playmaker. I uh, also now need to look up what Scooney Pen and God Sham God are doing. Yes, um, I was hoping that I would find a way to completely <laughs> derail the podcast. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is uh, those guys played right around the same time as Drew Barry. And mm-hmm. I called in once, like the very first time I ever called into a talk radio show, I talked about and I said, would he make sense for the Sonics at pick 60 and got like absolutely mercifully yelled at like, no, that's a terrible pick. He, there's no way he's going to last that long. And then five minutes later, he uh, on the radio apologized to me because he thought I said Stefan Marbury, who was <laughs> in the class at the same time as this guy. And real quick, be, I cannot believe none of us took Zach Crotchfeld. So I like, was about to. I mean, I feel like if I had another pick, that's the move. I part of me was like, you know, I'm your guest here, uh, and as you're as the host, I feel like it would be good for me to be like, you know, this is this is Chris's house. If he wants to take that console, <laughs> this is his show. Yeah, but yeah, he. Uh, that's quite a name. Another that's... New Jersey legend. Although Jackson Township is not my New Jersey, it's not really anything I recognize. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. I actually don't recognize any part of New Jersey. There were um, So there's an, also a couple of names in this that we didn't draft, but that I want to like briefly. Please. So the Drew Jones that is ranked top on the MLB list. Oh yeah. That's the son of Andrew Jones. That is the son of Andrew Jones. We Not are going to die someday. Yeah. That's the top two players on this draft class. In my personal opinion. Oh, no, that's Matt Holiday's kid. That's Matt Holiday's no son. Way, and dude. that's Andrew Jones. And that is Andrew Jones son. Like that. When Mike Cameron's son became a prospect, I didn't think that I could feel any older. Yep. But seeing Matt Holiday, who I remember being a, great player just a couple of years ago. I right. swear it was just a couple of years ago. It <laughs> no, couldn't have been not even any look more that up. than that. Man, that just makes me feel so incredibly old. Yeah. And CC Sabathia has a kid who's going to be eligible in a couple of years as well. But yeah, the top two players are Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday, and they are sons of guys who are all-stars yeah. in I was also glad century. to see that there's a, another catch-and-ass Susack in the top uh, 15 <laughs> yes. like, of all the, because, you know, it's one thing to be like a legacy name. Like 
Andrew Suzak has had, you know, whatever, he's probably going to get a pension of some kind. Like he's yeah. in a bunch of major league seasons. As far as I know, he's, he might even still be active, but like the, <laughs> that as a legacy thing, the idea of being like, yeah, I'm the brother of the guy that backed <laughs> up Buster Posey, not the most famous backup. I mean, probably think <laughs> Sanchez there or something, but the, yeah, like that, uh, it's like when Jeff Conine's kid got taken, right? Part of me is just sort of like, well, that's just like a working class baseball family. Like this is, I'm happy for Griffin and I'm happy for Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, we also, we talked about it last podcast, like Kumar Rocker is a terrific name. Yeah. He was such a good prospect that I think everybody was just like sort of tended to forget about that. A hundred percent. Like, but I'm really hoping Kumar, he's apparently looked really good. I haven't, talk to any scouts about it just yet but like has looked the part and i'm just rooting for this kid so much yeah. because you talked about it earlier what happened with him with the mets just i the, the embarrassing thing, dysfunction i don't it, think it's weird because it's like there's also there's a very obvious boris factor in that sure and yet like it really seems to me like it was you know 95 percent on the mets like it was just oh, weird yeah. vendetta driven bad business I would probably go 80-20 and mm. just because, you know, that MRI program, as much as I kind of have issues with it, he's an MRI away from getting offered an awful lot of money. And maybe he turns it down, but it would have been something. You know what I mean? Like that that can't yeah. be completely ignored, but I do have serious issues with that program. And, I, have, um, I have a yeah. friend who has seen him uh, pitching for the team in like Troy or wherever it is. It's near Albany. I'm going to try mm-hmm. to go up there. I have a buddy that lives in Albany and uh, tickets are easy to get. But my friend who was there scouting it was like, like AJ Preller was there. It was just like MLB execs all over the place. And apparently he really like, he looks like himself. Like it's not whatever the issue is. And it, you know, nobody really knows and it's not, right to speculate about it here or sure. anywhere i guess right but, not while we're recording but there is like he apparently still very much looks like a guy who's going to get millions of dollars to play baseball next year so that's good i hope he winds up i'm sorry it's not with the mets yeah but i hope he winds up with a in a situation where uh he's dealing with an organization that knows how to keep him healthy and values him because he's cool right. as hell and no, i always watch him in college he's awesome like he's somebody that we we're going to ha- we were going to have him on the podcast before uh, some of the stuff went down, and unfortunately, it, it kind of fell apart. But man, am I rooting for that kid? And I'm hoping that he ends up a Seattle Mariner because I think my grandma would like him quite a bit. David, thank you so much for doing this. Please promote all of the good stuff that you are doing right now. Oh uh, well, thank you for having me. First and mm-hmm. foremost, uh, sure. Really happy to do uh, this whenever. Uh, recorded or unrecorded, it is always a delight to talk to you. Wow. Uh, what am I doing? Uh, defector.com is the website. Mm-hmm. You, it's, you can read some stuff for free. It's a subscription-driven site, but it's good. We're uh, in year two. Think it's working, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, And I've been writing more about baseball. Or I've been trying to write more about baseball because uh, there's nothing else happening. And also, everything else is more depressing than baseball. So writing about <laughs> baseball for me is kind of a self-care <laughs> maneuver. <laughs> Yeah. I'm being honest, podcast that I do there with Drew McGarry is called The Distraction. The other podcast I do is about Hallmark movies. I do that with Jeff Lund. <laughs> you can listen to that so or not good. listen to that. But so it is, good. But it is. Thank you. Uh, it's called It's Christmas Town. Um, and I think that is about the size of it for now. Uh, but yeah, um, thanks for, for having me, man. It's a, always a treat to talk. 
I'm ready to come on that podcast now. We talked about it like we, last yes. year that I wasn't ready to do the Kenny Lofton one, but I'm, I'm ready to, I, I'm ready. I, I have to experience. Can you the, explain the Kenny Lofton one briefly to the listeners? Cause it's like, it's what it sounds like, but it's also cool that it exists. Yeah. So basically Kenny Lofton, who, for those of you who are not familiar, was a really good baseball player that should be in the hall of the fame someday. I agree. But he produced a Hallmark Christmas movie, which I'm pulling up the title of right now because I think that's important. My First Miracle. And I can tell you absolutely nothing else about this movie other than the fact that it's called My First Miracle. It's a it's Christmas movie on Hallmark. And it was produced by Kenny Flipping Lofton. And I... Such a perfect me- crossover. Like, it just that's the way the Hallmark universe it's works. It's is that perfect. It's- it's random fundamentally. Like there are some things, you know, like it all orbits around Candace Cameron. It's like the, the gas giant at the center of this galaxy around which everyone revolves. Okay. I have to ask you a quick question. She actually do left you, Hallmark. Do, do they have like a picture? Is it like the old 1920s where these guys have like a picture deal with Hallmark? Or is this, do you know if it's like they sign these one of one deals or something like that? Or do you have any idea how that works? So there is like a, I think that for people like her and for the people that left Hallmark uh, mm-hmm. to join, this is incredible, like whatever, absolute. Uh, it's the world we live in. She and like Danica McKellar and some other people left Hallmark for a competitor that promised to be less woke than Hallmark because Hallmark oh, is woke gotcha. wokeism <laughs> yeah. these days and the cancel oh, culture and such, that's... which is incredible if you've watched a Hallmark movie because it's like, <laughs> 40 minutes of it are just adults drinking hot cocoa, non-negotiable. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, and so, but they had, um, they had deals with the, with crown media as I understood it. But then there's a lot of other people that apparently like the, I'm basing this on a New Yorker story from a few years ago about it, that actors that are like, you know, regular television presences, or in a lot of cases, people that like you'd sort of know, cause they were like on party of five or something, yes. you know, like from like, a generation or so ago that apparently it's like, it's real easy work. You know, you go to like British Columbia for two weeks, you make a movie, you like, it's just like the, and it's not like a crazy, you know, commitment where you have to like be there every day at like five in the morning and you don't get to leave till after midnight. Like right. it's actually like pretty normal. And yeah. a lot of the people that they talk to in the story, like one of whom was like the guy from the, sisterhood of the traveling pants like the shorter of the two guys was like in it. and he was like yeah it's great he's like it's fine you know like i don't uh like it's not that hard <laughs> it was like and i think that that's for a lot of the people that work in it that that's just sort of like how it is that's interesting what's funny I... about it is because they're all shot in canada there's a lot you know there's the stars are generally american and they're people that they get from soaps and stuff but right. then the supporting actors are just like local Canadian character actors. And so there's a lot of them where like, if you look at their IMDb page, it's like their first five movies are like really scuzzy David Cronenberg horror movies from the seventies. <laughs> and then their last 15 movies are movies where there's like Santa Claus is literally a character in it and has lines. Like they've oh just my. like completed the full journey from like the brood to my first miracle, which <laughs> Long may they wave. Uh, yes. Um, I, nine Lives, uh, The Nine Lives of Christmas is my uh, personal favorite. Of these. Yes. I was uh, subjected to that not too long ago, and uh, my life was made all the better <laughs> It'll for change it. a person. 
And on that note, we'll thank you for joining us. Uh, you can follow David on Twitter at David underscore J underscore Roth. Did yeah, I get that right? I forgot to mention that, but yes. Sorry no. about all the underscores. I know it's That's a lot okay. Of because then you can follow me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Just the one underscore. For me, I am more efficient. If you're right. enjoying what you're listening, please like, rate, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Thanks again for listening. And we will talk to all of you again very soon. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.